Hi, welcome to BizPoints TV. I'm Larry Kortkamp, your host. BizPoints will introduce you to new and changing technologies, uh, smart business practices, and the people that are making an impact in our small business communities. We have an excellent show in store for you today. We're going to delve into the world of technology, cybersecurity, and the ethical questions that surround that. Create a stronger and more dynamic business. Larry Kortkamp, founding partner at the Kortkamp Group, talks with industry insiders about trending topics moving the needle for local business today. Here's your host, Larry Kortkamp. Hi, and welcome back. Today, our topic is cybersecurity, ethics, and technology. Our guests today are experts in their field and will give us a unique perspective on how all that plays together in the real world. So my first guest is Paula Sabene. Didn't want to mess that one up. And Kyle Roberts, Dr. Mm -hmm. Kyle Roberts. And uh, with us today, these two have a breadth of experience that really is unique in the industry, and I think you're going to enjoy our conversation. So, Paolo, let's begin with you. And thank you very much for having us here um, as part of your, your audience and, and your show. Um, I have been in technology for a long, long time, almost three decades, and I've held uh, C-suite roles manufacturing, industrial manufacturing, in uh, nonprofit, in government, uh, a CTO of a state, of the state of Hawaii, actually. Now I'm blessed to be able to be at Technion Data Solutions and uh, heading their data governance practice. It's good to see you're both with Technion. Is that correct, Kyle? That's right. Well, I've been there uh, about three years. A professor taught statistics. Now I'm a data scientist uh, at Technion. I'm, I'm yes. not familiar with Technion, and I, I don't know how many in our audience are. Can we have just a short blip on what they do? Yeah. We're very passionate at Technion to make sure that we are really extracting the truth behind what people think as the data that they have. And that truth is really what makes them make brilliant decisions as opposed to just good decisions. Mm -hmm. um, and we enjoy serving our clients, truly, truly serving our clients in a way that I think is refreshing, um, truly looking out for what is best for them. So our conversation so, today involves data, obviously. Mm -hmm. and, and data is such a huge, it's, it's, it's a big it's a small word, but a big thing. How does ethics and morality have to do with data? Uh, that's a great question because the, the trouble is, is that we find with most people that with when it comes to data, they want everything, right? And then when we come in to help a company, generally, it's almost like, I think a good analogy is 2 Kings 4, where Elisha comes in and you know they, they, they're making a pot of stew and everybody throws everything in. They find out there's death in the pot. And then the, <laughs> Elisha, the consultant, comes in afterwards and says, all right, uh, let's put some flour in it. And you all live, right? That a lot of times is what we do is that everyone started out going, we need everything, right? Mm -hmm. We need to pull in all the data we can, but then ethically, what do we do with this? And they may not realize it, but in their data pot may sit death because it may be that they're measuring things incorrectly or they're measuring things illegally. And so mm -hmm. trying to parse all of that information out, it's really difficult. And we find ourselves a lot of every day just trying to get up on can companies do this? Are they allowed to do this? And navigating those waters, very difficult. Yeah. So data governance, is that kind of, does that fall under that category? <laughs> governance by design, which is what we like to call, and it does. Governance actually, in a nutshell, will allow you to say, who is supposed to make a decision on this data? For what reason? At what time? Et cetera. Mm -hmm. So it's a navigational course. And then you get to understand if you're looking at your data as just an asset or in very modern terms, your data is actually a product that is evolving or devolving. So it is a product in the making. That's the, the dynamic virtue of the data. And if you are not treating it in a way where you're keeping that health, 
mm-hmm. active, then you are mistreating the data. There's so in no- the industry, are you considered more of a, uh, I, I know it's a crude term, but is it data mining? Are you hired to, to get data points for your particular client and then provide that client with this data? Is that what you're doing? Great question. So sometimes it is kind of data mining that helping them realize what do they have and what is useful. Other times it is actually marrying their existing data with other third-party data sources so that they can enrich it uh, in order to make better decisions. Um, And so kind of both and on that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that is a key, I'm sorry for jumping in there, but there's a key aspect right now when everybody's being incentivized or is being um, kind of nudged or pushed to go into data monetization. Mm -hmm. What does that whole world of data monetization mean? Especially for the smaller companies, you have a lot of data brokers coming, knocking at your door saying, hey, you've got data we could use and you're going through a tough time financially. So it is something that is inviting. And there's a whole list of things that really need to be done to make sure that you are handling that process very carefully and, and judiciously. So this has been obviously in existence, uh, an issue for a while now, but I'm curious, based on our current last several years, really, we don't even need to confine it to just very recently, but there's a bigger spotlight on this issue now than there yeah. really ever has been before. Yeah. And does that make that job of governance maybe easier than it used to be? Because now there is more awareness of the potential downsides that there could be associated with that? I think that while there is awareness from a security and privacy perspective, there's also an acceleration and a drive to um, innovate so much. And in order to innovate, your fuel is the data. So you have on one one side more caution and on the other side, uh, a greater push to not be as careful. So it is still the same problem with just a different volume. Now you're you're helping me to to move my legs with some some brainwaves that I'm doing. You're helping me here with a cochlear implant. You're making me see with oculars. Wow, this opens up an entirely new definition of what happens with the data mm-hmm. than we've ever dealt with before. Yeah. Does that, is that a daunting experience? Well, I think people are rightfully terrified. I mean, whereas I, I think we would probably argue that five or six years ago, we would have the conversations with companies of, you need to be doing data governance. And now companies are sprinting saying, we need to be doing data governance. You do read the stories of, oh, this company got shut down because they were measuring something they didn't know they were measuring and they were making that publicly available. What types of companies do you work with? We have more customers on the financial and on the health sector, but any customer uh, is is suitable for us to work with. Um, and Kyle can actually bring mm-hmm. some examples, maybe from the data science perspective. Here's a great uh, a great example of where someone may be in trouble but don't know they're in trouble. We all know that with the Fair Lending Act that we can't use ethnicity and a, a whole host of other variables. But what they don't know is some of the other variables they're using are actually proxies for those. Right. And that will get you in trouble also. Uh, we are going to take a short break. has it been since you've updated your brand or restocked your promotional items? The more often people see your company logos and taglines, the more often your company comes to mind. 
That top of mind thinking is exactly what grows businesses and generates revenues. So at Big Feet Creations, I've dedicated my time and talent for over 30 years designing and illustrating print and digital products that people love and remember. Now we're adding website design and audio video editing too. Call Big Feet Creations at 469-450-7350. I'm a big guy, and I've taken big steps to help you grow big. Big Feet Creations, 469-450-7350. Call today. That's 469-450-7350. Hi, welcome back to continue our conversation on cybersecurity, ethics, and technology. Kyle, off screen, you and I had a conversation about one recent, how that uh, um, conscious played into what you... Yeah, so uh, one of the things we were discussing off screen was a, a company that we were working with that they were using data for a certain purpose and then uh, it suddenly became where they wanted to use it for a different purpose. And again, I can't go into too many details on this, but it was, it was interesting because it was a point at which we had to bow out, um, that we had to say, okay, there's nothing illegal about what you're doing, but ethically, we're in a gray area. And by gray, I mean charcoal, right? Um, it was getting really, really dark really, really fast. Um, and so there's, there's always that tension of, okay, just because you have data, does that mean you can use it uh, for the purposes you want. I, I, I think back to the old red line laws, right, where uh, communities were, I mean, literally bankers would take maps and they would draw red lines around communities and go, if these are high-risk communities, we don't want to lend to them uh, because they had certain data on those communities. Of course, that's now illegal. Um, but that envelope of pushing what is ethically okay and not, it's changing, I want to say day by day, but maybe minute by minute, and it's hard yes. to navigate. And so, and for us, we will have meetings with, with, with yes. our team and go, this company wants to do this with their data. Are we okay with that? And do we want to help? And I know this seems like high level discussions that we're having and, and maybe in an effort to kind of bring it maybe down to a different type of level. When we, when we talk about mining data or when mm -hmm. we talk about a proxy for data. So, Let's, let's use my, my watch, right? My watch is gathering a lot of data for me throughout the course of the day. It's, it's gathering where am I, right? It's gathering my heart rate. It's gathering how many steps I've taken. It's, it's got my notes in it. Yeah. It's got my calendar in it. Yeah. All these things now are strapped to me, mm -hmm. and those are data points, yes. right? Yes. And some of those are intended and some are unintended as far as how that data could possibly be used. So... Some of the medical-related data that we're getting now mm. has some unattended consequences. So it's, uh, if we know that the gentleman is prone to maybe a heart attack or heart disease, what have you, and we're, we're monitoring his heart rate, but that also tells us extraneous information, and then the company comes to you and says, how much data do you need to get us to the point? I know Kyle's smiling because I already know his answer. <laughs> yeah, I want all of it. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the struggle, is that, especially as a data scientist. Yeah. I want every piece of data that you have. Now, should I be using every piece of data that you have? And, and a great example of this, like with your watch, let's suppose that a company one day that's, you know, uh, gathering all the information from your watch could know that you're about to have a heart attack. Let's suppose that's possible. Are they ethically responsible then to contact your healthcare provider and go, hey, we need an ambulance at your home right now, right? I mean, that's, 
But the information that's contained therein, that might also be good information to market to, let's say, Bob's Burgers, right? Because, oh, he weighs 380 pounds and he's, you know, five foot eight and he probably likes burgers, you know, I mean, that type thing. So where is the line there being able to use it for good purposes or for the other purposes of just making money off of you? And the rest of us are wondering who's in the position to make those decisions. Obviously, you're in a very technical position of just physically acquiring the data, you may be more of a situation where you're having to think about the mm. data. Yes. And then you're also in the position, maybe you have to interact with the client, with your company, keeping in mind That's all right. of us out here and how That's we right. think about that. So his decision may be, we know, right? Mm-hmm. He wants more. Yeah. And really he can't give you what he wants unless the more he knows, the easier it is to give you that. Yeah. It's just that how much does the client need to get? So always a step a little bit backwards. Um, what do we value as a society? We don't, as a society, have the practice of measuring that benefit. So we can't really make an assessment of the consequences and the dangers. We live in digital tribes, right? So 20, 30 years ago, we were not. Despite the fact that we were beginning to be very digital, we could actually pretty much be aware of fairly the same things. If you turn on the news, you can, you had a conversation, oh, did you hear about this? Yes, I did. And everybody kind of chatted about roughly the same things. Now you're very much in a tribe. So Kyle may be listening or, or watching something that is completely different from what I'm listening and I'm watching it. We're going to have to feed each other information because we don't know. There's just not enough time to cross over. And as you emerge in these vertical digital tribes, then now it gets harder to understand the point of view and to then evaluate and to bring that value framework back in. So what does that mean to a small business? A small business is is potentially living in a tribe, in a digital tribe, and in partnership with their ecosystem of businesses, clients as well as partners. There is a value system there. What happens if now their data is crossing over? to another tribe. There's a different value system there, and that exercise needs to take place. It's not expensive and it's not lengthy, but it's a stepping back that says, let me just think about this. And I'll give you a quick, quick example uh, on, uh, on ethics. Uh, I had a conversation with a client just a couple of days ago in which we were talking about stakeholder management, and we said, well, this group is gonna be in favor of, this group is not gonna be in favor of it. And he said, well, let's put a category in the middle as neutral. And I said, well, what if I told you there's no such thing? If they're not going to help you with your initiative, they're actually not going to help you with your initiative. That equates as being against the initiative, even if they don't do anything. And he had to take a double take, right? You know, you're, you've got a point. Mm-hmm. So now let's bring it back to what's the, ethics, what's the ethical code of the company? And he said, hmm, well, it's, it's the, the law or moral values. And like, actually, ethics just means behavior, habit, right? Is the habit. So it is separated from morality and separated from your value system, your framework, your beliefs. So we can actually agree to behave in a particular way today that changes radically tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And we're all assuming we're operating the same ethical code and it may not be so. Well, because we've now had a new wrinkle that's put right. into us. We're in our separate tribes, but I'm the one that where the tribe messages are, are holding on to. And, and I really don't like Kyle's message or interpretation of the message. <laughs> yep. So I'm just going to make his message right. harder to get. Right. But I like right. yours. So right. yours right. is right. now going to get the full amplitude right. of all my resources to make yeah. sure it's out there. And if he just withers and dies, that's okay too. 
right? right? So now we only have this single stream of information yeah. and we no longer have the ability to weigh this or that because yeah. now there is a bigger omnipresent force that is helping to create this message that's yeah. being driven. Yeah. And, and that, that didn't occur before. And, and I'm curious on your thoughts on this because I think that in many companies, it's the wrong people who are making that decision. Like some, in most companies, we find that yes. IT is the gatekeeper. <laughs> they need right. to not be the gatekeeper. They need to right. not be the a nice term for it. It's stakeholder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's delve into what that term really means. Right, right. right. Yes. And then look at the evolution of data itself. So the lifecycle management of data for those who are not in IT basically is from the point that you acquire or you create it all the way until you delete it or you archive it. That's the whole life cycle management. And along the way, all these people get to make decisions about it and make modifications. And there's not often a lot of management in that. So the data that you thought you had at one stage that was clean and good to use and offer to a partner and make money off of it actually may have been quite corrupted and it may have a very different condition. Okay, so now that we've gotten more complicated (laughs) on these decisions and ethical questions, we're gonna take another quick break. Multiple streams of income are the local business owner's new protection against inflation. If you enjoy sharing health insights and helping others live their healthiest lifestyle possible, you can create wealth for yourself and your family by doing what you love to do every day. Call 469-939-8933. Discover how to incorporate additional financial revenue into your love of health and wellness and the work you're already doing, using your time wisely and leveraging networks you already work with. Ready to learn more? Join the Wellness Institute's Corolla Bratis, subject of the book, Look Beyond Tomorrow, to help even more people realize their potential and achieve their health goals. Build a side business with products sourced in North America and protect your bottom line. Call 469-939-8933 today. That's 469-939-8933. Call now. We've been talking about data, my how we mitigate risk, how this involves us at a business level. I'd like to talk a little bit about data and children and how that's being affected. You talk about my child and if my child can be identified, we get pretty upset about that. And so there's a really great uh, study that was uh, uh, done by a gentleman. I actually worked with him for a while that he was taking information that was just coming out of the newspaper on. It's a long time ago. So back then, I think it was the TOS test, uh, which was the state standards. And he was able to, with nine pieces of data that were just published in the newspaper, identify almost every kid individually within a a single school district. And then some vulnerable populations, he only needed three pieces of data on them. So like uh, Native American or indigenous populations, you know, because the the number of people in those groups are so small, he could identify each of those individual kids with just a little bit of information. Relating to that is the same with adults or anything else. So now we know that the child is 
is uh, heavier, obese, or upset, or has a heart problem, or or whatever, slow learning. And now these data points are now being incorporated into software that's actually yes, driving absolutely. education. It's, it's not just descriptive software or software meant to describe. It is software meant to prescribe based on predictions. Mm -hmm. So now you are slapping on a whole lot of labels on an individual, young or old, based on the points, the data points that you have. And now the course of the their options or their future is somewhat charted because as soon as you connect that into the blockchain, which is where education is headed, then the blockchain will sediment that path and then it will be a lot harder to get to have those options or those um, those tracks, if you will, have them recede. But backing up a little bit and understanding that before we get to blockchain, the world of privacy has changed. So in the past, you would look at data as something that you owned and privacy is you being uh, reflected in that data. Data is more something that you are. So because of the aggressiveness of the virtual world, philosophically and morally, you are that data. And now that data is going into platforms. And a very powerful platform is one that is decentralized in theory and and to some extent it still is, and decentralized in such a manner so that once that contribution, that input goes in, it does not come out. Nobody can supposedly delete it. Nobody can uh, just, you, there's no regulator for the blockchain platforms in which there isn't. And that now locks in in perpetuity. There are multiple flavors of this. People might still walk away with what exactly is it. Know that it is a mechanism through which you will have your data inserted and you will transact at that level, you will communicate at that level more and more, and then that information is pretty locked. It's more of an autonomous third-party equation rather than the old third-party, right. right? So if, right. if you were going to send me money for a transaction on a very basic level, you were going to send me money for a transaction, your money would go to the bank, my product would go there, we had a third party that was looking at it, and then the transaction would occur because he's verifying both ends of the transaction. With blockchain on a very basic, basic level, it eliminates the need to do that, and it does the verification of both ends Whatever those both ends happen to be, mm -hmm. it's verifying the authenticity of both ends to create the transaction yeah. that's happening. Yeah. So right. if we're taking the more autonomous all this becomes, the less human it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and doing that in some respects is fine. But again, when we're talking about the kids, you were talking about predicting. Predicting, yep. How are we predicting what a five-year-old is going to do? We're predicting oh. now what a baby what is. A baby. Uh, and then yeah. not only that, it gives us the power to... In a maze, if I want the rat to run one way, I close the door, That's I right. turn on a light, I put a piece of food, That's right. all these different things. And now you can do that with my kid yes. and you can open this door, shine this light or only tell them this bit of information. And the outcome now becomes more predictable yes. than it. Buddy, even in a small, in a, let's say a small company that says, what is my role to play in all of this? We all have a role to play, even if minimally, which is... What is my contribution to either the problem or the success? Am I contributing with the data that I hold in my business to doing this right or not? What does right mean? Right can be asking a whole lot of questions. 
Where is this data going? What are you doing with it? Why? How so? That will get you very, very far in the journey of being a better custodian and a better owner of that data. So a really good practical example of this is Anton Scalia was giving an interview one time to a bunch of students that were at a, a law school. And in that interview, one of the things he said is, when I'm considering someone for my clerk, I'll take it from one of three schools. And you can imagine what those law schools were. And then somebody else later in the interview asked him, hey, who's the best clerk you've ever seen? And it was this guy out of Ohio State. And it was just, the, and then everybody started laughing because they're saying, he was saying, well, in a prescriptive manner, I'm only going to take, I can't afford to be wrong. I'm only going to take one of these three. But somebody else had taken a chance on someone who wasn't in one of those three schools, and that wound up being the best clerk ever. I think that's the problem that we're talking about is when we move to prescriptive in data, we're yeah. good at telling you about blocks of things. Right. We're terrible at telling you about what's power right. going to do, right. right? Statisticians, we can talk in big numbers, but when it comes to what is this individual going That's to right. do, I, I don't know. I mean, roll That's the right. dice. Um, right. I don't know. So these are big picture questions. Yes. Yes. We always like to leave our audience, which is a small business audience by nature, with, like you said, what can we do? So yes. what are some things that our audience can do today? I think the first is, is don't be afraid to ask for help. Like there are people who are spend their entire lives on just worrying about data governance or regulatory practice and things like that. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And Paolo, yeah. I know you want to. You have some key takeaways from yours. I think a couple of really important ones for uh, companies is don't rely too much on automated talent management mm. or automated recruiting because those algorithms are amazingly flawed. <laughs> so actually get to meet the prospects yourself, the candidates and talk to them and you can have the input of automation and make sure that you're making your final decision with the old fashioned human touch of using your judgment. And then secondly, I would say if you're sharing data with anyone or if anybody is in your shop uh, doing um, development of code of any kind, or if you are partnering with somebody that is doing code, ask a lot of questions there as to how, how clean, what is the governance of that code? Because you could have everything in your shop really lined up nicely, but somebody else that you're working with a third party is actually not doing their due diligence. So you need to make sure that you are you want evidence uh, that things are being done well according to best practices at least. Um, I think um, Paula just summed it up perfectly. Is Yeah, I, I love models. They're not always good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, don't always trust them. Okay. I hope our audience has gathered something from this conversation and I uh, hope you join us on the next episode of BizPoints TV. To be a guest or request sponsorship information, contact the Court Camp Group at 972-824-8001 today. Production and programming information requests for the OBBM network should be directed to Offbeat Business Media by calling 214-714-0495 or send your request to info at offbeatbusiness.com. BizPoints TV, podcast, and radio show are produced by Offbeat Business Media for the OBBM network. Unauthorized use of logos, audio, video, or reproduction is strictly prohibited.